Considering the point where we lost the Gundams, the time that's passed, and their ship's speed, we estimate that it's moving along the ocean floor somewhere in this region. My team will surround the area with six trilobites and launch an attack as soon as it's discovered. And have you secured the airspace? I feel that two teams of mobile suits should be more than enough. After all, the chances of them even getting out of the ocean are slim. Respectfully, I disagree with your tactics here. Aren't you forgetting something? That ship came down to the Earth's surface by breaking through the atmosphere on its own. I'd assume the opposite is also possible. It can't be done! That theory uh makes sense. The Gundam's GN drives have something called a Trans-Am system that releases large amounts of highly compressed particles all at once. If they make use of it, then possibly... I recommend that we contact our forces deployed in geostationary orbit. Since it's more than likely the enemy is going to be ready for the predictable tactics that have been suggested. The audacity! You dare mock a superior officer! You should know I have a license. You have a what? Are you saying you're a one-man army as well? But unlike Mr. Bushido, I promise I will be more than happy to follow your tactics, Colonel. I'm very grateful to hear that. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode -episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. I'm blasting off again! I'm Tyler. It's relevant to the episode, Zach. Don't worry about it. I apparently, once again, have suffered a mental short circuit. My name is Zach. That's because I'm too high voltage. Danger, danger. Today no, I think it's just not enough insulation. <laughs> Today we are watching episode 34 of Gundam Double O, episode 9 of part 2. Indelible past? The indelible past? I think it's the indelible past. I don't think it's a the. I think I, it's I think just it, indelible past. I also think it's just indelible past. It's cleaner. Justin Timberlake said so. Remember last week when there was a party and Tiaria cross-dressed to get into it and Ribbons was like, exposition at you. And Luis had the worst dress. Yeah. This and episode then, starts on Luis in the worst dress. She was like taking just enough off of it that it doesn't look terrible because it looks more casual. But it's still a wild well, It's mostly outfit. just her gloves. Yeah, but like she still has the headband, which makes her look like a maid. And okay, it's... twist. We know that Chun Li is involved with these people. Did she secretly <laughs> pick out Luis's dress? <laughs> I mean, she seems to have better taste than that. Does no, she? She she's sabotaging her because she's like, oh, the only other pretty girl at this party is going to be Luis. <laughs> if I give her the worst dress, then everyone will be staring at me. And, and then, then she, she comes, comes into the ballroom in and, and like, oh no, Terry has cross-dressing. I didn't anticipate this. And he's prettier than me. <laughs> <laughs> Tactical forecasting. Setsuna said hi to Louise. Billy was like, that's a celestial being boy. Yeah, Setsuna really should have done anything to try to keep his cover that entire recruiting mission, I think. But. Well, for the most part, it was okay. He just decided to just reveal it straight out to Billy Katagiri. He was like, Graham Aker already knows. Surely he already told Billy, his best friend. Did Graham know Sumeragi was? No, no, but he knew who Setsuna was. And like I said, are the Gundam Meisters' identities known to the A-Laws? Because it would make sense, but we don't know. And we never will. I don't know if it's this episode or next, but there's a definitely another, does everybody know this question that comes up? 
Yeah. Oh, Trans Am. It's it's this episode where Cotty's like, they got a Trans Am. I'm like, why does she know this? Did Ribbons tell her? Did they just know what it's called? I assume Ribbons told them, but I don't know. It it makes sense, but... But we have no idea. But why Hang on. They had Alleluia's machine. They did, but they didn't have the GN drive, which I presume is where the Trans Am system actually is. No, but it could have been in the software. Yeah. Zach, you're right. Here comes to the confusing thing where there should have been no software, right? Because Aeolia Shehenberg hit it in there and it's Ian who made them. So how would Ian put a button that says Trans Am and have a screen that or and have the word Trans Am come up when it happens? No, that does happen. Don't get me wrong. You're correct. It's just one of those things you can't think of because the fiction doesn't quite work. Oh, uh, that's because uh, Aeolia Shenberg wrote the actual operating system years in advance. And just said, hey, whoever's building these, copy these to a thumb drive and stick it in this hole. Or conversely... It just has text-to-speech for Aeolia Shanberg's voice. (laughs) No, they had um, the Arios, which also included the communications logs, which included Trans Am. So they could have got spy info. Sure, that's that's a perfectly reasonable explanation. You're right. And Cotty did see what it did. Yeah, sure. Because she encountered it on the field. Cotty being like, oh, they have like an overdrive mode makes perfect sense. Her being like, it's Trans Am. It has these limitations is a little bit more. Well, based on what we are given for Cotty, I would wager from her experience that she realizes there is a time limit and they underperform after they use it because of what she saw in the first conflict. Or Ribbons just handed it to her in a neat little package. Let me go back and say, this is not me saying this is a plot hole. This is me saying I want to know how she knows this. Is it her own uh, assumptions because she is also a very good tactical forecaster? Is this information the ALOS just has? Because it, even if it's Cotty just figured it out, I feel like Rint would be like, you don't know that. I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he kind of does that in this episode. I'm the most A of the laws. <laughs> Anything else we want to say about this series before we get into this episode? What do you guys think of this episode? I do feel like there are some pretty good Magnificent Bastard moments from both ends here. I got to admit. I, I'm kind of on the same side. We got a little bit more for Sumeragi, a little bit more of the cross reference between her and Kadi. Honestly, this first part here, I'm not a fan. I'm not a super fan of. So, all right. So we open where we left off after the credits last time. Of Setsuna being like, "My bad that I let Billy find out that I was a celestial being boy." And Tiari is like, "It doesn't matter. I found that twistedness you're always going on about Setsuna, and now we can surge in it out of the world like a corkscrew." And Setson is like, what's this about some twistedness? But before Tiaria can answer, our favorite psychic Aliel Sanchez. Our <laughs> favorite psycho Aliel Sanchez. Like, Easier said than done. At least here, you can have the no prize answer that he hacked their communications, right? Because he's directly responding to them and interrupts their conversation. Yep. Uh, although it is a trend now of him just coming in mid-conversation and be like, that's right, punk. It's a me. <laughs> And, of course, Ollie comes with his new cool Gundam. And Setson is like, that's the Gundam that burned a Zedistan. And Tiari is like, it's an improved throne. And Ollie is like, buy all our play sets and toys. We're going to have an epic Gundam <laughs> war. My favorite thing. Anyway, he's all like, Fangu. And that's mildly inconvenient for Setsuna. Here it really feels kind of like the Gundam pilots have to job for Sachez. Because he handles both of them pretty easily. Apparently, his new cool Gundam is cooler and newer than their cool new Gundams. Although, he really only handles Tiaria. Setsuna seems to be fighting back pretty well, shooting the fangs. He can't get a hit in, but... 
Anyway, Setsuna is mad that his evil rival is still alive. And his evil rival is like, yes, however, because of you, I had to pay for half my body to be regenerated. So just so you know, that's how good the medical technology is in this setting. It can restore your body if it has been half blown up. Provided, of course, it hasn't been infected by any of the red particles attached to the mobile suit I am literally flying right now. Well, they go out of the mobile suit, Zach, not into it. (laughs) Anyway, I took Lockon's life, but now I want more revenge, so I'm going to kill all of you for this, and then charge ribbons for killing you all, enough to pay my medical bills, because <laughs> in 200 years, we still don't have health insurance. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely believe that Sachez was this petty. I'm just imagining him handing ribbons a bill, like at the end of Star Fox, where he's like, what? <laughs> Underrated, the end of Star Fox, which, where you're... Uh, kills are presented as a bill of service you are giving to the Cornarian army. Yep. <laughs> that Meanwhile, is a pretty uh, nice touch. Colonel Pepper, General Pepper. General Pepper. General Pepper is like doing the math and he's like, you didn't kill three things here, you just killed two things with one shot. <laughs> yeah, but I charge extra for that. <laughs> Fancy flying like that costs extra. So we get through the opening and according to the subtitles, it is a the indelible pass. The inedible pass. But I think on the uh, on the Blu-ray, it's actually listed as an indelible past. I believe on Crunchyroll, it is also listed thus. No, it has a B in it. I specifically lighted it in my notes. So, Felt's like, hey, the Double O and Sarah V got jumped by a crazy mercenary. And Sumeragi's like, well, good thing I sent them in their Gundams, I guess. Anyway, send her other two boys to rescue them. That's my tactics for today. Well, she doesn't send them immediately. She puts them on standby, just in case they prove to be worse than this one dude. So, Setsuda and his friend Ali are fighting, but Tiaria is like, hey, you're the bastard who killed Lockon. He was my friend. I want revenge for that. But Tiaria loses his two railgun cannon things. He loses the over-the-shoulder guns. Fortunately, he's got some spares. I love how many hands the Servi apparently has. Well, you know, it's named after an angel. It's biblically accurate. Is it supposed <laughs> to be a seraphim? Yeah. Okay. The Seravi comes out of the smoke cloud grappling Ali al who is like, hey, that asshole got what he deserved for coming out into a battlefield blind. I Unlike would never me, do that. A guy who came onto the battlefield with a half-regenerated body. Uh, no, no, I think I presume his body has been fixed at this point. It's been four years. He's just in collections. <laughs> but Terry is like, hey, remember the O from Zeta Gundam? And Sanchez is like, I never saw that. And he's like, well, I have knee hands. <laughs> and Sanchez is like, cool. I have leg hands, which is also cool. You remember uh, Gundam Seed? I have the Aegis's foot sabers. Which dispatch the Cerevi. But before Sanchez can go in for a killing blow, Setsuna comes up and is like, hey, let's do a teamwork attack. Remember when we got good at those? But Sanchez manages to fend them both off in a sword fight at the same time, thanks to his foot blades. He's just that good. But also, he has Fangu. He's still got his funnels. And he's like, I'll kill you both at once for double points, and then I can charge ribbons for killing you both (laughs) at once. But uh, he's unable to land the finishing blow as uh, here come the other two pilots. And he's like, "Mm, four against one. I lose all my cool bonuses if it's not 2v1. I gotta get out of here. Tiaria immediately starts chasing him, but Alleluia stops him and is like, hey, Sumeragi said to go home after we fought him. And Tiara's like, no, that's the guy who killed Lockon. And Lockon's like, who? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I'm dead? Oh, yeah, that was my brother's name before it was my name. (laughs) So Sanchez is like, god damn it, that stupid crude is punk. But he's a main character and I'm a main villain, so it should be this way. So I I guess I'm going to be his main rival. 
And not Graham Aker, Mr. Bushido. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, why does Satsuna get all the cool rivals? I mean, Alleluia had Sergei and uh, Soma. That's fair. Sergei kind of tapped out. He's like, I'm retired. I'm well, Sergei is like, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sumeragi arguably has a cool rival. That's fair, yeah. So we go back to the villa that happened at the party. <laughs> Leaving it in. <laughs> I hate you. Where they still haven't fixed the window. And Ribbon's Allmark, like Tyler said last episode, is just doing his best Rita Repulsa impression. Just like, ah, this headache. <laughs> Thanks to you, Regina, the party was completely ruined. Luis left too soon. I didn't get to oogle the Chinese chick. And Regina is like, yeah, but you're the one who pissed off Tieria Erd. You could have made him our ally. But then Hill and Care is like, actually, it's better if they're against us. It would do no good if the Alas only had Cataron to fight. They suck. And we need all the public support we can get to do all the genocides we want to do. <laughs> you know, like Aeolia's plan. Step one, genocides. Are there two of all of them? Yes. He's ribbons. Yes, Hilling and ribbons hang. are linked. Regina and Tiaria are linked. I just wasn't sure if this guy was ribbons with a different haircut. Ribbons with a Z. So Regina's like, hey, about that twin drive system. Was that something that Celestial Being just came up with? Or was that another cool gift from Aeolia Shehenberg because they're the real ones having the real plan and you're pretending ribbons? Ribbons like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll crush him anyway. Don't we know that it was Shenberg left it for them? We do. I think Regina is like, hey, I also know, and is needling him about it. Because we also know that Ribbons is real upset about all these gifts Shenberg gave all of them that he doesn't get to play with. And he's like, I made a cool new Gadessa, and it's going to destroy that twin drive mobile suit, and everything will be great. Revive Revival is going to prove it in the next battle. I doubt that, with, with a name like that. <laughs> So Hilling's like, hey, could you set up something for me too, Ribbons? I'm also a combat type. Let me do a combat. Ribbons. So does that mean Ribbons is also a combat type? No, Ribbons is a thinking type. I think it's just they have the same DNA. Because I think Tiaria is probably a combat type, given that he does mostly combat. But Regina does not seem to be. Yeah, I assume they get some sort of conditioning after being cloned? I don't actually know how innovators work. Innovators? How do they work? Like magnets, there's a North Innovator and a South Innovator. The North Innovators are what we call combat types. <laughs> you know, it's as good a suggestion or as good an idea as any other ones. We cut to a very important scene in Chun-Li's car. Brutler seems upset. Where she's like, ah, Celestial Being did a thing. How amusing. I sure do like it when people do things that speed up things. Man, you were at least halfway likable in the first season. How did you go... From being that to whatever the fuck this is in this season. It's mostly we found out what her true motivations were at the end of the last season. And now the show's like, well, no need to beat around the bush with that anymore. What are but her true motivations, out, Tyler? She wants to see the world change. Which it, is exactly what Celestial Being wants to do. Yes, but she doesn't care who does it. She's morally ambiguous. Are we siding with the terrorists or the genocidal fascists? <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> Spoilers, we will not find out we next week. We will not find out, no. <laughs> we also get a scene of Louise on a jet plane going back to her military, which where she wants to be, and apologizing to Andre for being debilitated. And then she's like, aren't you going to ask for all the details of my physical condition? 
And he's like, no, that seems rude. I am going to stare at you for a while, I though. feel like that's one of those things that the reason why she asks him about it is because it's a question she gets all the time after one of these episodes. I did want to ask about your sweet arm tattoo, though. It's not an arm tattoo. It is a connecting point. It is a plug. Well, I mean, you know that, and I know that, but we don't know if Andre knows that. I feel like Andre knows that. I feel like that should be fashion in the future, right? If you have one of those, you just get a tattoo over it to hide it. <laughs> so Andre's like, anyway, when we get back, we're going to case the Gundams. Anyway, I'm going to go Google stalk you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so he Googles Louise, and he's like, ah. Her parents got killed by In the Gundams. In case you forgot who this character was. I do think it's important and different that Andre knows her motivations now. But it is a little bit that as well. He's like, ah, revenge, is it? I too know about revenge. That's what like... brought her to the battlefield at such a young age. She's like 19? 20. Yeah, I don't know. She's I... St- I think wasn't she her age ambiguous in the first season? Did we know what it was? Because it's been four years since the last. The Gundam the Wiki season. has a specific date, and she's like, you know, old enough that this shouldn't be considered weird, considering how many other people were in the military and younger than her. Maybe she just looks young. I feel like it's more a matter of the writers forgot that there was a time skip. Andre just forgot. Andre is unstuck in time. Andre is like, a girl like her is more suited to wearing pretty dresses. Too bad I missed my one chance to see her in one. He was shepherding her around. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, while she was wearing the maid outfit, he was shepherding her around. (laughs) It took a second for it to click. So we get Louise, I guess, thinking back on the fact that Billy Katagiri outed Setsuna, and she's like, wait a minute. I actually liked that guy. He can't be a dick. He had chicken soup with me that one time. Uh, Then she sees leaving the cool aircraft carrier she's going to and ahead. And she's like, that machine is Mr. Bushido's. Where is he fucking off to? It doesn't matter. He has the license. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. It means he can do that. Where he's going is still a valid question. Not to warrant Officer Halavi. She's too far down on the chain of command for any of that kind of thing to matter. She asked in her head as he left. I don't think she's like, I demand answers. I think she is curious what the fuck is up with this weird tune by you that they keep on the ship. Who? Okay, so he has the license. Who does he actually report to? Yes. He has license. I assume Billy's uncle. Okay. Oh, but I don't think he has anybody overseeing him. I think he literally is allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants. What was that stupid thing in Gundam Seed? That people ended up being a part of. Member of faith? Yeah, faith. That's it. <laughs> That's what it is. It's The license is just a member of faith. But you don't get the cool badge. No, you get a license. They offered him a badge and he's like, no thanks, I've got a sweet mask. It clashes. Oh, it's because he's got the license that he's allowed to wear the stupid outfit too, instead of a uniform. Why does he wear that outfit? Well, I mean, we will okay. find out later this episode that he hates being called Mr. Bushido. Yeah, so, like, why does he encourage it? By why are you outfit? leaning into this? That's I, my point. I assume he has scars under his mask. Yeah, the mask, the, the mask makes sense. The mask makes sense, and it's, like, a cool aesthetic choice. But, like, the robe and the colors? <laughs> He's like, this is the only thing I have left in my wardrobe after the accident. <laughs> uh, so we cut to the Ptolemaeus, where the bridge bunnies are planning to go in, back into space. They plug in all the GN drives to the Ptolemaeus. And Sumeragi's like, in the next 12 hours, the ALIs are going to do an ambush that we won't be able to escape from. So this way we can go back to our base and pick up the cool new support mecha that Ian's building for us. It's an awfully good thing that they just so happen to have two people on board that can fly those two new machines. Yeah, Elena and Felt. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Horo. So, I will admit, this is probably my favorite scene. Just because, why is everybody going to come into this briefing room? To be fair, I feel like they're usually in the conference room when people are having scenes. Like, that's where Mari and Alleluia seem to make out, I mean, hang out. Exactly. <laughs> so why does everybody come into this room now? They do it in the conference room. This is the briefing room. They're different rooms. This one doesn't have a table. It has a view screen. I know. They normally do this kind of thing in the conference room. Because Alleluia and Mari are making out in there. And <laughs> they, they, they will be here up. shortly. Because well, they'll they be done. Make it out. <laughs> well, the question is, why are they coming to this room now? I, okay. Hear me out. I actually think this room is kind of in the middle of the ship, and it's the only thing that connects the two halves of the ship. I mean, that would make sense. But anyway, getting into what's actually happening, Setsuna is talking to Saji. Saji. I could not remember his name, and about how he met. Uh, I was just going to call him by coincidence. boyfriend. So <laughs> <laughs> wearing that shirt, he doesn't look like an anime character. He looks like Luis's boyfriend. <laughs> so Setsuna's like, "Yeah, complete coincidence. She was just at the party." And Saji's like, she doing all right? And Setsuna's like, yeah, you know, except for the, the you know. The, the clone pills. Except anyway. for the crazy ass reaction to, I don't even know. Anyway, she asked about you. I, I told her you were working in space. And he's like, I guess thanks for that solid. And so Setsuna's like, hey, aren't you in contact with her? And Come uh, on, man. I'm your bro. And Saji's like, I had to set a relationship status to that's complicated. Technically, I'm in contact with her. she's just not so much in contact with me i just kind of thought of like saji dropping off a letter with felt and asking her to send it and felt like i don't actually know where to send letters i just kind of put them places horror always took care of that (laughs) i feel like you hand them to melena melena reads everyone's outgoing mail but she does get it delivered (laughs) but as zach alluded to earlier lockout and tiaria argue into the room with Lockon being like, did that man really kill my brother? And Tiara's like, I already told you. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and here's his name. And Lockon's like, give me all the juicy deets. As Alleluia and Mari get done making out and walk in for like a nightcap. They're like, oh, there are people here. They got done making out in the conference room. They came to the briefing room to make out. And they're like, oh, there are too many boys here. <laughs> I wonder if this is just like the default room where everybody just happens to go. I would kind of believe that the two sides are connected, and this is kind of where the two sides of the Gundam containers exit. That would make sense. Cut to the ALOS aircraft carrier, where Cody and Major Rint are having a discussion, and they have invited Revive Revival, the winner of the stupidest name on the <laughs> aircraft carrier contest, to join them. Well, that's, I mean, it's a, it's, it is a true... True victory. Oh, oh man, we and get they get someone a, later whose name is a new something. A new returner. You, you, oh, you, that's pretty bad also. You'd mentioned the new before. You'd seen her on the wiki, and you're like, please tell me that's a real character. And I'm like, <laughs> Tyler, you have no idea. <laughs> but so they get a notification, it bings, that uh, the craft with Louise and Andre has landed. And so Ren's like, given when we lost the Gundams, I believe they'll be heading here where I'm going to send a whole bunch of trilobites to kill them. One almost did it, so six will do it for sure. <laughs> and Cotty's like, no, that's way too obvious. They're going to expect that. I know, because Cujo. She specifically goes, did you secure the airspace? And he's like, we have two mobile suit teams. That'll be plenty. Um, were you paying any attention to the last time you tried to attack them? Well, they also have trilobites now, Zach. To be fair, the last time they tried to attack them, they kind of kicked their ass. Yes. But they also didn't have their leader. Yeah, but they don't know that. 
True. And, they and then the time after that, uh, Celestial Being kind of dumpstered them. No, the most recent time was the time over the island, where the double O blew up for no reason, and they were like, ah. The time before that, they dumpstered them. <laughs> the, the, the one time where Major Rin's plan was in, what was actually put into play, Celestial Being kicked their ass. And it's not as though the ALA's two most competent pilots have either fucked off or defected at this point. That is true. That neither of them are here. They got a uh, revive revival though, and our boy Patrick Colasar is here. He was technically a pilot. <laughs> hey, he has been shot down seven times by Celestial Being and survived. <laughs> he has the most Gundam experience of anyone <laughs> on board these ships. Yeah, actually. So speaking of revive, they're the one who's like, "Hey, aren't you forgetting that that ship came down from space? Don't you think it's pretty likely that it could go like?" up back into space if it can do that i like the hand motions they're very good <laughs> it's an in i mean it, it's a good theory like hey it can come down who's to say it can't go back up i feel like they're explaining like to a child they're like ship go down ship go up <laughs> well i get the feeling in the way they're portrayed here revive is kind of treating rent rent like that i feel like it's angled towards him not so much towards Kadi. Yeah, well, I think we'll get a bit into this more in future episodes, but most of the innovators think that 99% of humans are fucking idiots. But Revive has already identified Kadi as the 1% that's a main character. I mean, from what we've seen on in these episodes so far, they're not wrong. <laughs> in my experience with humanity, they're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Rin's reaction is, that's not true. They told me you killed him. That's not possible. Well, you know what else wasn't possible? A ship that could come from space into the ocean and cruise around underwater. To be fair, I think this is kind of a world building. I think this is telling us that we don't have any space cruisers that can do that. And whereas earlier, Cotty was surprised that they did that, but not like that's impossible. So I think that's probably theoretically possible. It, whereas this is like they haven't figured out a way to get any mass that up that high without rockets or whatever which I, the ship clearly doesn't have i just feel like Cotty is uh, when she did that it's more of a i accept this information now how do i work with it not so much like oh we don't like this is theoretically possible just this is a thing that happened therefore so Cotty's like yeah i agree with the person with the crazy name also there are transams and the gundams have them and i bet you could transam a spaceship into space <laughs> So Revive's like, yeah, we should contact our forces in space and set a cool ambush. And it's likely that the enemy tactician probably already has figured out these predictable tactics. Yeah, your shitty strats, Rint. And Rint's like, well, I never. You and damn mock a superior <laughs> officer, the thing I do all the time. That's just, my I, job. I just want Cotty to be like, bitch, please. But that's okay, because Revive revives the dumb joke. Revive has a license. Revive has a license. Which allows her to criticize her superiors. And Cotty's like, oh god, not again. Are you just going to ignore me too? And Revive's like, no, I respect you, unlike Mr. Bushido. <laughs> I will follow your tactics, Colonel. Not his tactics. I follow good tactics. Like Smug Cotty is great. <laughs> Cut back to the Ptolemaeus, where Lock-On 2 is repeating the exposition he was given about Season 1 and how his brother died. And then he kind of laughs. And Tiari's like, do not disrespect his memory. And he's like, no, no. Just like ignoring the entire state of the world to get revenge sounds so like my brother. You would not believe it. He was so super insane in this one very specific way. So Tiari's like, you got a problem with that? And Lockhart's like, no, nah, I respect him for that stance. 
But our family did die over 10 years ago, so I'm kind of over it. I just want to be happy. So Cessna comes up and goes, even if the one directly responsible is right in front of you. I mean, it makes sense to me here because this is not, you, you do not want this to come up randomly and have it be a problem again. Yeah, I totally agree with you also, Zach, especially since in the first half, they literally tried to play this card on them and use the information against them. And Setson is like, let's get this out of the way now yeah. so we don't have drama about it later. Specifically, the uh, the thrones tried to use it yep. against them. My notes on this say we need to go bowling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little bit difficult since they're currently planning on going up to space again. Space bowling, maybe? They must Ping have pong. space bowling. No. Cool. Man, space pool. You know there would be a novelty of zero-G bowling, right? Because you just get oh, the yeah. hook. Well, that seems very dangerous, but also very fun. What? Just hucking huck- the, ba- the bowling balls because there's no gravity. I, or lighter actually, gravity. You don't do that when you're bowling? Oh, yes, I do, Zach, but they eventually hits the ground about a third of the way down the lane. A third of the way? Yeah, I'm not I'm not as strong as you. Um, I was going to say, you I actually just a- need a, like a cylinder that you toss him down in space so that it doesn't matter how bad your aim is. I've been going bowling with my parents. I've been uh, trying to find the right size ball, and uh, I was using a 14-pound ball, and I was chucking that thing halfway down the lane at 20 miles an hour before it hit the ground. Really? Because that's standard now is a 14. The one I own is a 14er. And that's weird because it used to be 16 when I was younger. My dad has a 16, and that one seems much more my speed because I think it's mostly the lever. My arms are much longer. That could be. Torque. So Setsuna explains how his best friend was directly responsible for killing Lock-On's family, and Setsuna tried to stop him, but he was like, ugh, do you hate God or something? And this surprises new Lock-On. And Alleluia's like, hey, Setsuna, you don't have to tell him. But as we went over earlier, he probably should. <laughs> well, and I, I think Setsuna is going into this because he's like, yeah, we're going to get this out on the table now where it is not likely to get one of us killed. Or let the druggies escape if they come back. This is also new information that Setsuna knew the guy who did the bombing. But I assume this is something Setsuna has realized on further reflection in the last four years. I well, love that he also remembers a clown. <laughs> to be fair, I think this is Lock-On's flashback, not Setsuna's. Or yep. it's the series flashing back for our benefit. I mean, it is implied that this is Lock-On original. The who, clown died. Who saw the explosion. See, I read this as this being Lock-On 2 and Lock-On original was not with them that day. But I don't know that it's clear either way. Something, something identical twins. Setson is like, if I had managed to stop my comrade, Neil Delandi would still be alive. And also probably all of your family. And he would never have been a pilot. But Lockhead's like, hey, even if you stop them, terrorists going to terrorize. Someone else would have done it. I mean, look at me. I yeah, belong I say, to so anyway, let's go do the terrorism. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's the system. And I'm not going to blame you for it, especially since it's in the past. You can't change the past, but we can fight for the future, right? Horror, horror. And I, I kind of get the feeling that that's a little bit angled towards Tiaria when he says we're fighting for the future, not the past. Because Tiaria's kind of been got, getting himself into his own head, and especially in the fight with Sanchez at the beginning of this. I don't think it's angled at Tiaria. I think it's just very similar to something other Lock-On would say. And like it, because they're brothers, they have similar viewpoints. And so Tiaria takes it as angled at him. Because it reminds him of that time Lock-On said the same thing as Lock-On. And Tiaria's like, I'm excusing myself, bye. As Aloui and, and uh, Mari are just like, I feel like we walked into the weirdest conversation here. But um, like how also they walked in and just didn't say anything and also haven't left. Uh, Alleluia <laughs> did tell Setsuna he didn't have to tell Lock-On. Okay, that's a good point. That was their contribution as a couple to this. <laughs> well, 
The thing is, I also feel like, at least with Alleluia, I don't feel like Alleluia would want to leave in the middle of that because it is a Gundam Meister's, like, issue that they're trying to solve. And he was like, you know, the last time something like this came up, they went bowling without me, and I'm not missing out on the bowling trip this time. <laughs> I'm bringing my girlfriend. And I'm going to bring my girlfriend with me. Saji, you can probably come too. But not your girlfriend. Because we don't know where she is right now. So we follow Tiaria as he goes into his hallway to brood. It is no longer the hallway of judgment because that was on the original Ptolemaeus. This is the brooding hallway. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to June and episode nine of season two of Gundam Double O. I don't know that I have a whole lot to say about this one. Uh, I think we all thought it was fun. Sumeragi gets to do some nonsense. Um, it's got some good glorious bastard stuff. I actually don't think I have any announcements either, so... Hmm. I don't know. What weird video games have you all been playing? I'm taking recommendations. I don't promise to get to them anytime soon, but I'm curious. I recently found out about Before Your Eyes, a really cool game where you, like, live the life of a kid, and then you blink, and then you're older, and every time you blink, time progresses. That's my jam. So, if you got anything similarly odd, let me know about it on our Discord, or shoot us an email at, let's say, Gundam at games.com so that Zach and Jeremy have to suffer along with me. Okay, that's it. Bye. Back to the episode. Goodbye. Then we cut to Alaw's mobile suit development place, where Billy's doing a work, and Graham walks in. And Billy's like, Gra- I mean, Mr. Bushido. <laughs> and Graham's like, ah, oh, not you too. And this is where we get Graham saying, oh, no, that's just what everybody likes to call me. Instead of, like, why do they call you this then? Who gave them this name? Clearly someone started to make fun of him because he's a fucking idiot that needs to be made fun of. Who has license (laughs) so you can't do it through any genuine channels. And I kind of really like that as a backstory for the Mr. Bushido name of its people giving Graham shit. But he sure seems to lean into it with this robe he's wearing. He looks like a persona of Susanoo, not a human. <laughs> yeah, he's got very Japanese aesthetic clothing, like I, Edo period or Warring States period. And Billy's response is like, well, I checked your MySpace page, and that's what it says on your MySpace page. I thought you liked the name. So, what brings you down here today? What are you buying? And Graham's like, I came to congratulate you. And by that, I mean, make me a cool mobile suit, bro. Come on. Actually, it's, I want to take that mobile suit. Well, it's that mobile suit you're making, make it for me instead. (laughs) And Billy's like, what would you like on it? And he's like, I want it to be the fastest and I want it to have the strongest sword. Sword is not a metaphor. I want it to literally have a strong sword, not a (laughs) weapon, the strongest sword. (laughs) And Billy's like, yeah, I can do that. But in exchange, you must swear to me on your Bushido honor to eliminate celestial being (laughs) and destroy them completely. And And use a flag while doing it. (laughs) And Graham's like, wow, that's a little intense. And I'm Graham Aker. Slash Mr. Bushido. What happened to you, dude? You are much more laid back than this. Your girlfriend dumped you? My girlfriend got drunk and then dumped me. (laughs) No, see, he already knew she she was drunk because Sumeragi existed in a perpetual state of drunk. No, Graham seems to me the sort of person that would be oblivious to that because he just doesn't care. Even pre-Mr. Bushido, Graham. would be like, yeah, good for you, Billy. (laughs) You got a girlfriend. I just said she dumped me. Yes, but you had one. So Billy's like, hey, according to my watch, it's time for your team to be fighting Celestial Being. Why does Billy know this? He's head of R&D. He has all the secret info. Why does Billy need to know this? 
to be fair, they are putting a new model into use for the first time. So maybe they would be like, hey, we'll give you the data from that. But Mr. Bushido is like, I'm not interested in a fleet battle. And Billy's like, oh, their strategy is that clear in your head. And Graham gives a very coy, I've been developing my mind's eye, which would be so cool coming from Graham Aker. And is so dumb coming from Mr. Bushido. Like a Virgo. (laughs) I feel like Graham would deliver that line along the same lines as that dude from Kill a Kill. Mr. Bushido deadpans that line and it sounds so stupid. And I really like the idea that Mr. Bushido is so good at combat, he is on the same level as Cotty, right? And has already figured out how this is going to go. I really like that idea. But Mr. Bushido is so stupid. It doesn't make... (laughs) and, And this doesn't fix it. No, this actually just makes him sound like a prick. Well, he has a license. I mean, yes, he has a license to be a prick, but that doesn't make him a better character. So we cut to the aircraft carrier fleet of the ALAs, where Cotty's like, okay, launch all our machines and stuff, and Major Rint is like, I want it on the record that I had nothing to do with this operation. Nothing! And Cotty's like, okay, so if we succeed, you'll also not want any of the credit? So we get a shot of them all launching in Kalasar. She's like, I'm going to make you proud, Colonel. And Andre is like, man, another new model. What kind of budget do the A-Laws have, man? The entire world's budget, actually. Well, and Luis is is bankrolling them, which is apparently more than the entire world. I was going to say all of Spain. I feel like (laughs) Luis owned Spain. Well, you know, as we know from the game Monopoly, capitalism just causes money to congregate more and more in people's hands. And it's 200 years in the future. Exactly. Man, the Gadessa looks stupid. Uh, I kind of like it. I'm very neutral on the Gadessa. I don't like any of the grunt suits in Double O, and I guess the Gadessa is like a grunt suit plus, but that goes on the list too. I don't like it, but I don't think it's like, oh, this one's really bad. It might be because it's freaking awful in SD Gundam Generation Cross Rays. There's so, like three attacks at a range of three. Which is weird because it's a big-ass cannon you'd think they would have given a pretty decent attack to. Is that Revive piloting it? Yes. Okay. So we cut to the brooding deck on the Ptolemaeus. Where Setson is like, hey, you haven't filed a report with Sumeragi yet. And that's like a thing I would do four years ago. Not a thing you would do. Yeah, Why are you not giving Sumeragi a report, dude? Like, I'm concerned. And TR is like, I'm still organizing my thoughts. And so Setson is like, anyway, tell me about this twistedness you found. Because I'm very interested in it. I'm very interested and it seems to be affecting you. And I apparently am better at this than I thought. And TR is like, I saw a slinky for the first time. Dude, you know how weird it was to wear a dress? <laughs> I was already struggling with this identity thing. So, Tiaria thinks about what Ribbon said and about what Lockon said, and he's about to say something when they get a red alert. And, hey, that's a good excuse to go to our Gundams instead of talking. All hands to primary battle stations. Marie and Asagi, go hide out in the briefing room. I do like that is like, don't worry, Sessano, we will finish this conversation, we just have to not die first. <laughs> I mean, it makes perfect sense. Again, it's like, all right, we, we can finish this later, but first we have to not be dead. Yeah, I guess it's more just to point out that Tiara is not trying to avoid the conversation. But I think he is taking the uh, excuse to oh, yeah, for avoid sure. it, for sure. Oh, I did yeah. hear Berserk recently referred to as a manga about how men will literally make an eight-foot sword and fight demons instead of going to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's not entirely wrong, but at the same time, the what? time frame the thing is set in... <laughs> There really isn't therapy. I mean, you could always talk to a volleyball. There aren't volleyballs. It's in the past. Oh, no. How did people survive? (laughs) Anyway. No, instead he talks to a fairy. Yeah. Puck is basically a volleyball. So the Trilobites are closing in on the Ptolemy. And 
Sumeragi's like, yep, just as we planned for. Too bad they didn't anticipate my trap call. And then Saji and Marie enter the bridge and are like, hey, can we help? One of us is a pilot. Yeah, but she doesn't have anything to drive. She could have gotten in the, like, Ptolemy chair. I guess she's not a spaceship pilot. And I don't know how quantum brainwaves work. And Sumeragi is like, yo, we've got some extra chairs back there. Sit there and stay there. They're for the guest slot on the ship. I mean, it makes a lot of sense if they're trying to get into space. You would want everybody to be strapped in. I love how when they tilt up, we get a shot of the Haro rolling down a hallway. Yep. And I love the voiceover for it. It's just like, ah! We cut to Setsuda, who's brooding about how they're going to space just to avoid the A-laws. And then Milena comes over the comms like, no, it's to sell all the new toys. <laughs> okay. I want to cut in where uh, Setsuna and Tieria are talking and Milena comes in and she's like, correct me if I'm wrong, but are you two lovers? <laughs> <laughs> just anytime there are two people alone on the ship, I just want that to happen. <laughs> like I said, I wish it's such a good callback. I wish they did it more. <laughs> Speaking of Milena, she's talking about how missiles are about to hit them. So Sumeragi's like, excellent. We will ride the explosions to get the space faster. Check this shit out. We are going to surf on these explosions. So she orders everybody but Setsuna to turn on the Trans Am. Which I did notice on my first watching, but this like this makes sense knowing what's about to happen. To be well, fair, also, I don't think that's the reason. I think it's what Zach's about to say. I think it's because the Trans Am isn't stable on board the Double O yet. Oh, okay, that's fair. I, to be fair, I do think that's the reason why the Double O is the planned mobile suit for this operation. I think it is just kind of like, it can't do Trans Am, so it's the one they're going to use to attack anyway. Spoilers for the end of this episode. I kind of wish that they'd used the Trans Am in stages and we saw like one Gundam do it and then the next and then the third one. That would have been cool to me, but this is also cool. So the Ptolemaeus literally just shoots out of the water and goes flying into space. When on board the command ship, everyone's like, that thing's going way faster than it should be. And Cutty's like, hmm, yes, they use the torpedoes to launch themselves. More or less as expected. Well, actually, Cotty's like, wow, that was faster than I was expecting them. So they must have used the explosion of the torpedoes. Well, freaking done, you crazy bitch. I only know one bitch crazy enough for that plan. (laughs) And Rint is like, this isn't possible. I'm too much of a dick for this. And Cotty's like, you nameless Afro guy, calculate their angle of ascent. So we see the Ptolemaeus just fly by the screen of mobile suits there to intercept it. And Andre and Louise are like, man, what is going on? Wow, that's fast. I love how Andre is specifically like, battleships do not go that fast. Well, to be fair, the Ptolemaeus is not a battleship. It's a luxury cruiser. It's closer to a light (laughs) cruiser. The mobile suits try to chase it, but are capable of fuck all. The real question, Zach, is it bigger than a Trans Am? Yeah, those are actually pretty small. I know. (laughs) So the Ptolemyo shoots a barrage of missiles, which takes out a whole bunch of Jinxes, as well as Patrick Collisar's head. (laughs) (laughs) Not again. But it does not get Louise's ahead. Yeah, because she's a main character now. And she does not have our boy Patrick Collisar's immortality. So Cotty gets a report on their intended orbit. And she phones that information to Revive, who is in upper, at- I guess, lower atmosphere, with a, a giant cannon attached to the Gadessa, being like, oh, I only need to change their angle of ascent three degrees. That's effortless for me. And this Gadessa. So we see it fire its giant fuck-off cannon. Luckily, the Ptolemaeus is a giant GN field, so it just kind of bounces off. And so Saji is concerned because they just got hit with a direct blast. But Mari's like, it's fine. I have quantum brainwaves or something. But their angle of ascent is thrown off by at least three degrees. Which Sumeragi notices, and it's like, ah, these tactics. 
this person is good at this. Cut to Cotty, who's like, oh, out of our hands now. We have to hope our space forces are going to be able to handle it. And since they have no named characters, fuck, I have to go come up with a new plan. <laughs> I might have miscalculated. She also specifically says, oh yes, the Trans Am has a time limit. I, Cotty Monaghan, know this. I mean, I would believe that because she has seen the Trans Am in action in the previous war. Or the previous conflict with these guys. It's hard to say if it was actually would actually be classed as a war. That said, if they can go from space to Earth, or, or from Earth to space, I feel like maybe you should assume maybe it doesn't anymore. Like, that's a possibility, certainly. I mean, Or it has a longer time limit. Both sides would make a lot of sense to me, but if she's operating under what she already understands and knows about it, and now that I think about it, she has seen Trans Am in action okay, in this current conflict. conflict. That's true. And has only seen it for a limited amount of time. Now, does that mean it could go longer? Maybe, but they've only used it for this amount of time. So Ptolemaeus makes it into orbit, and its Transan wears off, and it immediately starts being fired upon. And they, like Jeremy said, just lost the Transan, so they lost their GN field. Yep, because like the Transan works, you are have fewer particles after it's done, so they can't even use their normal GN field, and are basically a sitting duck. So Sumeragi asks what the numbers of the enemy are, and Felt's like, oh, one cruiser and six mobile suits, and Sumeragi's like, oh, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's easy. <laughs> Setsuna, go ahead and go do it. This is well within the numbers I forecasted. Mobile suits just start getting exploded, and the ship commander's like, what? There's another mobile suit coming? Like, did they have reinforcements? No, wait, did they fucking launch that mobile suit while they were exiting the atmosphere? And the answer is, it's a Sumeragi plan. <laughs> so, probably... Man, I just want Sumeragi and Misato to go drinking. I just want them in a Super Robot Wars game. Oh, that'd be great. They just needed two troubled teenagers to shove into giant robots. <laughs> they were both in a Super Robot Wars game, but I don't think they had any interaction. You're right. They're both in uh, v. v. But I don't think they had any serious interactions with each other. So Setson is like, hey, it's the end of the episode. I have to make this quick. And takes up the ship with just two blasts from his gun. Well, that's because they stored all the explosive parts in the bridge. Yeah, it's a shame they put all of their munitions on board the bridge. That chair must have been made out of dynamite. So there are only four mobile suits left, and they're retreating. Who knows where to? Because, <laughs> well, have you, did you see what just happened to our ship? And Lassie's like, hey, that was perfect, Sumeragi. And she's like, yeah, it was pretty good. And then Felt's like, we got an email, ma'am. It says, hey, Cujo, sweet tricks. <laughs> Great ninja tricks. I don't get why Cotty does this. I think it's a confirmation thing for her. But, but it's not like Sumeragi respond. responds. It's mind games. I th That would actually make sense to me. Is that Cotty assumes that this is Sumeragi. She's right. She is intentionally trying to throw Sumeragi off. Yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. It just doesn't seem super Cotty. It does seem kind of catty, though. True. Da-da-da. So Lassie's like, what's that message supposed to mean? That's not our mom's name. And then mom has a flashback to when she was in college. With civilian Cotty Monikin. She looks so out of place in a dress to me. I don't she know why. She does. In a dress and with loose hair? Yeah. It was before she was in the military and got all that ironed into her. So Sumeragi's like, no, she can't be with the A-Laws. She wasn't an asshole. She was my hero. Why can't I break free from my unbreakable past? It's so okay. sad. Back to drinking. I've been sober for at least a week. We gotta fix this. <laughs> and well, they are going to Lagrange 3. And since Sumeragi has dropped the name of the episode, it's over. 
Is this a new ending? It's not. This is a shot they don't always use on the ending because usually they have a bit of the end song play in. So they will use that shot to bridge it so it starts at the exact same point for the sequence every time. Gotcha. But this one, there was literally no play in from the ending song, which is weird because it's not like that wouldn't fit Sumeragi going like, oh, my past. Yeah. This is just the first time I noticed the guns and roses. Oh. The literal guns and roses. Oh, yeah. No, that's just how they all are. So we get to after the credits, which is maybe the most pointless after credit sequence we've had all series we've got billy's uncle whining about how he now he has to ask the innovators for help which i hate they already doing that revive revival is revive revival is already on the ship how much he works for them versus how much they have manipulated him into this position is unclear like does he think they're my boss or does he uh, ribbons be like that idiot doesn't realize we're his boss but anyway, we just see the innovators hanging out in Ribbon's cool bond layer. You know, the beings that transcend humanity. They don't even watch TV. They just sit around. <laughs> and then we get a, a shot on Lagrange 3 of uh, Ian talking to Linda. And uh, being like, hey, we built this cool jet. With it, the double O will be invincible. It'll be the triple O riser. The triple O riser sky. Yeah, I... I think this episode's pretty good. I think the action shot at the end is a little rushed, but that's fine. I get why you want to do it, and it works well. I really liked seeing uh, Sumeragi and Kadi get to like plan and counterplan against each other, and like how many steps ahead they both thought. I mean, it's a really nice, it's a really neat trick, especially with uh, Kadi there to basically call Rint a dumbass because he doesn't know what he's doing. It does feel like kind of a slow episode, though, which is weird after last week's slow episode and knowing that next week will be another slow one. I think it's just the period of double O we're in where we're getting a lot of exposition and character stuff. It is weird that it it feels slow. I agree with you. But it has two action scenes on the other side of it. Yes. But the bulk of the episode is kind of taken up with, or at least the the most important aspects of the episode are kind of taken up with them talking to Lock-On about his past. I think the reason it feels that way is neither of those action scenes feel particularly important. The Sachez one is kind of important, but it's more important as a springboard for why they're telling Lock-On about Sachez and old Lock-On. And the end one is just like, hey, we need to fight real quick at the end. And it's to show off how cool Sumeragi is. Which is cool, but... And we need to get the... Uh, we're, we're putting the Ptolemaeus back in space, so we need a conflict around this. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad episode or anything. It's just odd pacing-wise. It's yeah. not bad, but it's very flat. Like, it's it's fine. It's There's weirdly not a lot of tension, right? Yes. It's fun to watch, but there's not a whole lot of, like, are they going to make it? Because, I like, obviously they're going to make it the tension is on tiaria right and is he going to tell them about the innovators or is he going to betray them or is he just going to keep quiet and that's kind of carried through to the next episode so do you have a high point tyler i was gonna say i actually have several so i will go last and see if anyone takes all of mine on the way zach so i think my high point is the planning session more or less between kadi rent and revive revival rent being like yeah, this is going to work, and then Revive and Kati basically being like, you're an idiot. Like, we have to assume all of these things that you just aren't. You're operating with what we can do and what you're assuming they can do, not what what they can actually do. We also got Smug Kati, which is pretty good. Smug Kati. Yeah, that's always great. I think mine is going to be the idea of launching the double O as they're rising up. That's just a very cool image in my head. I wish we had flashed back to them actually launching it. Tyler? So we do exactly when they did launch it. Mostly, I just want to see the way the momentum works. That yeah. would have been really cool. 
Yeah, I think it would just look cool. That's all I actually care about. <laughs> I, I'm totally fine with them saying, yeah, we did that. Of course they did that. Tyler? Well, the downside is my backup backup was actually going to be the one that Zach did. But I think I'm actually going to go with the brief discussion between Billy and Mr. Bushido. <laughs> um, it's cool to see those friends together again, right? Yeah. He, he feels the most Graham Acre he's felt this entire time. Yeah. Because, like you said, it's two friends back again, and they both know each other. And you've got Billy there being like, oh, I guess you're Mr. Bushido. And he's just like, dude, please no. That was my screen name when I was a teenager. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> XX Mr. Bushido XX 2040. 420, please. Do you have a low point, Tyler? Huh. Probably? I don't know. I feel like the conversation between Setsuna and Lock-On was, like, weirdly paced. Like, they made, it, made a big deal of it, but there was, like, no emotional tension there. Oh, and that's, it's a swerve, right? Because yeah. we had that literal scene before with sets in an original lock-on and there was huge tension so it shows both the difference between the new and old lock-on and subverts your expectations but i get what you're getting at yeah like it's not a bad scene per se but like i feel like they the fact that they do the whole flashback i feel gives it way more attention than we really needed to have especially because it takes up so much of the space here yeah what about you zach what's your low point I think my low point might be the conversation between Regine Regetta and uh, Ribbons, just because, like, why? Like, I hate both of you. And this seems really unnecessary. I think highlighting further that there is tension between them and they are not on the same side, that this was not their plan, makes sense. And we get Hill and Care to talk about combat models. Uh, I am going to go with the email Cotty sends at the end because there's even a line of the mobile suit sent us this email. So she planned to send this email if they lost. And <laughs> I don't know. I just don't see how it helps her or gives her any information. It's not like she can be like, this confirms it's her because she said so. No, Sumeragi's not she that replied. dumb. No, this confirms it's her because she didn't reply. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? I mean, it's probably got to be Sumeragi. Zach? Yeah, I think I have to give it to Sumeragi as well. I kind of want to give it to Kadi. It was between the two of them, honestly. I think the reason why I got to go with Sumeragi is because the Amo Surf on these explosions. I um, love Kadi, don't get me wrong, but... Alright, this is the final appearance of Mr. Bushido's ahead, so if we want to add it to our list, we should do so now. If we don't want it to add it separately from the ahead... I don't think it should go on there separately I, from the ahead. How is it different? Is it's, it just a stupid headpiece? It's got the headpiece, and then it's got the katana. Like, I'm struggling to remember what it even looks like. Okay, but... we don't have to put it on there. What about the Jinx 3? We've been seeing that for a while. Do we want to go ahead and get that on the list before the innovators roll out a thousand mobile suits for us to put on the list? <laughs> the red one? Well, the, it has both colors. It's got the lance. We've also seen it in... Sergei's is also a Jinx 3, but in the uh, standard colors. Is it any really... No, I guess it doesn't have, like, the bandolier-looking thing around it. And it does have the lance, which I would say is pretty... I like it more than... I, I think we could add the Jinx 3, then. Yeah, I, I was thinking for sure we'd do it. It's a matter of, do we do it now? It comes in red and blue and beige. I like it more than the original Jinx. So do I. Yeah, I do, too. I don't like it as much as Ogre's Jinx. No. The Jinx Brutal Ogre Custom. I like it more than, like, the Sagu from... The Saigu, I think, actually, from Seed. That, trying to remember which that's one, one of the underwater that's Rao- mobile suits, right? No, it's one oh. of the white ones. It's Rao's second mobile suit after his gin. It's got a sword. <laughs> it looks like a gin, but fancy. We have the gin right under it, so let's compare it to that. Do we think it's better than the gin? I do, yes, actually. actually. Okay, I think it's better than the Sagu as well. Okay. I, I mean, now, clearly we like, can't remember so. what it looks like. <laughs> How do you so. spell that? <laughs> C-G-U-E. 
Okay, that thing. Okay. Yeah, no, I like it better than the Sagu. How do we think it compares to the Strike Dagger? Same neighborhood, I think I think I it's like... better than the Strike Dagger. I think I agree. Or what about the Gwazi slash the Gates, the final Zaft uh, mass production suit, you know, before Destiny? G-U-A-I-Z. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Oh, okay, this thing. Um, it's basically like really beefy gin with shoulder pads. It's got like the knee anchors that oh. it shoots out. Also comes in green. I think I like the Jin- I think I like the Jinx three more than the Gwazi. I think I agree. All right, better than the Din, the Flying Zaft. Yes, I would say so. Slightly, like I think we're in the, about the right neighborhood. These better than the Wyndham, which is like a beefier, nicer strike dagger. Yeah, I think I like the Wyndham more. I think I'm going to give it to the Jinx, but only just barely. I think I also like the Wyndham a bit more. Okay. Which puts us in real interesting territory. Do we think it's better or worse than the RX-78 Gundam? Like the original last Gundam? <laughs> yes. I, I forgot that was on the list. Yeah, I'm surprised it's low enough that this is a thing that we're comparing it to. Um, I think I prefer it to the RX-78. I mean, the RX-78 is obviously very classic, but I'm kind of a sucker for the Lance and Shield. I like the Lance and Shield, but I think the RX-78's color scheme is way better than any of the color schemes the Jinx 3 gets. And that's really my consideration, is I feel like the the blocking on the original Gundam's a little bit better. Yeah, I think so, too. What about the duel with its Assault Shroud? I'm not as big a fan of the duel. I think I, I have think to go I with the Jinx. I prefer the duel with the Assault Shroud. <laughs> I also think I prefer the duel with the Assault Shroud, uh, which makes my job harder. But how do we think it compares to the Sandrock? Oh, interesting. That's another Gundam with a weird, or mobile suit with a weird weapon. Okay, the Lance is way cooler than the, I forget. The Heat Shotles? Shotles, thank you. I was going to call them a Shotok. I'm like, that's not it. Um, I think I prefer the Sandrock. I like the color scheme a lot more. I actually like the twin swords that it has. Yeah, I like the suit itself, but the Lance and Shield is way cooler, but I think I prefer the Sandrock also. Better or worse than the Forbidden Gundam? Which is with its big scythe and its weird shield. I feel like I like it more than the Forbidden Gundam, actually. The Forbidden's kind of wonky. I do, too. The, the Forbidden's not my favorite. Obviously, I think we've already established that Calamity <laughs> is the favorite. Better or worse than the Blast Impulse? I like the Blast yeah. Impulse more. I, I like, like the Jinx cult. 3 more. <laughs> okay, Tyler. Um, I think I prefer the Blast Impulse. All right, so the Jinx 3 goes at number 65, above the Forbidden and below the Blast Impulse. And that will do it. For this episode. Anything else you guys want to say about it? It's fine. <laughs> I thought it was fun, if not great. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Alright then. It's a Gundam will return in light of heaven. Gundams of epic proportions! <laughs> <laughs>